Hello, podcast listeners. This is Jared Pickney, and today's episode is with Paragold High School football coach Randy Phillips. Randy and I had a great conversation about his faith, football, uh, putting players first, how to handle losses, and so much more. I really enjoyed my time with Randy, and I think you're going to really enjoy listening. So with that, here's today's episode with Coach Randy Phillips. Coach Phillips, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you guys having me. So I got a chance to watch you play on Friday night. Uh, it's actually the second time I saw you in the Paragord game. Um, and I got to run chains. So I was like on the field uh, for the game against Nettleton. And I want to say as a Paragord alum, like I, I root. I mean, my wife works at Tech and my kids go to Tech. But, like, in my heart, I'm still, like, rooting for Paraguay. I can't, like, get that out of me. And, man, I was so excited when you guys took the lead. What was that in the fourth quarter with, like, three minutes left in the game, something like that? It was around three minutes, yes. Three minutes left in the game. End up losing it, unfortunately. But, man, I just want to say, from the bottom of my heart, how proud I am of this team. I feel like I know that we were talking about before, like, what's the record? Is it one in no, – One in – I don't even. It's know. like one and four, four or something, but it could be four and one. Like yeah. legitimately, like could be like all of the games are like right there, and so you guys are absolutely trending in the right direction. I just want to say the play call. Do you call the plays? Let me ask you that first. I do. One. I call it. I call plays from seven through twelve. Do you really? I do. Well, that the 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 play and Chris, you missed it because obviously you weren't there. But um, what even was that play? It was a, it was a which y'all rarely pass the ball to Carter. But, yeah, a, a beautiful man. I mean, nobody saw it coming. Um, Tell me this first off, like I just want to know just philosophy of ministry. I want to uh, philosophy of ministry. Philosophy, of, that's that's my world. Philosophy <laughs> of coaching. Um, what is the offense that you run? Because I just want to say it's it's fun to watch. So it's called the single wing, and it's been around since the 1900s. It's one of I mean it's prehistoric. Um, you know Notre Dame was they ran it a lot back in the 1900s. Um, it's been around forever, um, but it's it's predicated on misdirection. Yeah. Um, it's unbalanced. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Typically, you know, to the to the left of our center, we have a guard and a tight end. Typically, you have a guard tackle tight end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then to the right side, we have an overload line. Yeah. So we've actually got four. We call it four man surface to the right side. That's where we've got four guys over there. Um, so it makes the defense line up a little bit differently than normally would. Yep. And um, it's got a lot of misdirection. Yeah, you don't really know where the ball's going, where it's coming from, like who's going to get it. Like that's why it's so much fun. I think like in the Tech game, and you would know this, but it seemed like there were like at least five different guys that carried the ball. Maybe there's more than that. I don't know. But it's like it might have been the third quarter. It's like that guy's not carried the ball all game. And like that was a good run or whatever. Yeah, and that's something we've added um, our H back or blocking back, as we call him, is uh, something we've added recently. Because um, it's kind of risky. Caden Calhoun is that guy. Yep. He's we, some people call him a sniffer back, but he's about a yard and a half behind the uh, one of our guards and tackles. Mm. So we angle snap it to him. Yes. Um, you, you did know, that once against Nettleton, right? We uh, did. Like the fourth. We, did. we actually did it um, twice, three times against them. And he was your starting. I mean, he was parallel starting. He was the guy last yes. year, running back, right? Yes. Until he got injured. He did, and that's something that um, we've talked, and you know. He would probably be a starting running back right now mm-hmm. if it wasn't for his previous injuries. Um, but we talked with him and his family, and you know, defense—you're not the, him playing linebacker. He doesn't take as many shots from the side if he's running yes. the ball. So, 
felt like it's a little bit safer for him not to be on offense so much. And so we've kind of worked him into that. And um, he's been our starting H the past couple of games. And you know, we'll let him carry the ball two or three times a game, um, you know, just get him some carries and uh, helps the team out. How do you get into, like you said, it's a single-wing offense. That's what it's called. How do coaches pick their offense, like, or their defensive line? Like, how does that typically work? You know, I think there's a couple couple different ways coaches get into it. It's, number one, it's probably something they learned when they grew up. Um, okay. And it's what they're – because I was – I played at high school, and we ran split-back veer. Um, you know, so when I became a head coach – or actually, when I became assistant, I went to Warren – um, so when I went to Warren, you know, that was a spread team. That was my first coaching job. Went to Warren mm. and you've got Warren winning the state championships, running the spread. So naturally when I became a head coach, I was going to run a spread. Mm-hmm. The reason I ran it is because it's what I knew, you know, as a coach, sure. not necessarily You're most comfortable I, with it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's what we did. And I quickly realized that, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do as a head coach. So I started, you know, looking at other offenses and started studying them. And, and basically I came down to the single wing is it's something that I've seen other teams with lesser athletes win. Ah, um, okay. So it, in my philosophy, the single wing, if you don't have um, a great, great skill guys, great running backs, and you've got a good offensive line, you'll still be able to move the ball. If you don't have a great offensive line, you got good running backs and you still, it gets a lot of bodies to the, uh, to the point of attack. We usually have two to three lead blockers. Um, but if you do have a good line and good running backs, like we've got Cole Chipman right now and a good offensive yeah. line, and he rushed for 179 yards the other night. So Did he really? Yeah. Against who? In Nettleton. Wow. See, I came in the second half of – I went to Tech's homecoming for the first half, so I had someone cover for me in the chains, and I got there second half. So, And he's a junior? He's a junior. That would be nice yeah. to have him back on it. It will. And he wasn't starting at the beginning of the year because uh, he was starting on defense. Mm-hmm. So, Lucas Deathridge was starting on offense. And uh, Cole would come in and get some carries. Um, but now they've kind of swapped roles. Lucas is starting on defense. Well, we started Cole on offense. And now he's getting 28, 30 carries a game. Uh, he rushed for 140-something against Batesville. Um so he's passed a couple games. What he's makes a him a, a a good running back? Let me just see. I'll break it down even broader than that. As you look back at your time in coaching, what just makes a good football player? Like overall, like what are some intangibles or what are some things that you look for in a kid that you're like, man, if they got these things, they're going to be a good high school player? I think number one is trusting their, their blockers. Um, beginning of the year, Cole, you know, he's pretty quick. So even when – we are not asking him to try to run to the edge. He wants to get to the edge because that's you know he feels, he feels like, like I can beat you. Yeah, I can I can beat you. And some teams that'll work against. A um, couple plays against against Tech, he got the edge when he should have cut it up. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our plays are not absolutely not meant to get to the edge. Like our power play is it's going to be right off of Carter Blues behind. <laughs> so if Chip follows that and uh, you know trust Carter and trust our H back, then typically the hole is going to be there. Mm. And our kids are not um, – they're learning now. The other night he followed his blockers. He got behind his blockers and was patient. And I think the past two games that's made all the difference in the world. But we want kids that are coachable and, and trust each other. Yeah, well, that's huge. Being uh, Humility and trust is basically what you're talking about. That goes a long way. And then if you throw in some work ethic, yes. you can typically do something with that. I have a conversation with my son almost every Saturday. He plays soccer, and, and I'll look at him and I'll say – uh, Wyatt, we're Pickneys. You know what that means? We're not the fastest, <laughs> yeah. and we're not going to be yeah. the strongest. But I was like, you can work the hardest. Yeah. And if you'll show up and you'll work hard, 
like good things are going to happen. Like you just go to the ball, go to the ball, go to the ball. Don't give up. Like you know, like something's going to happen, and you're going to be able to help your team. And so, there's there's a lot I think to say for that. Tell me how you got to Paragould. You said you made a stop at Warren. Did you, where did you grow up at? So I grew up in Gillette Dewitt area down in southeast Arkansas, south of Stuttgart. You know, most people know Duck Capital. Oh yeah. So I grew up. I moved down there in the ninth grade. Um, actually. I was born in Little Rock, played football at Plasky Elk Grove, and that's where Darren McFadden came from. Oh, nice. When did you graduate from there? Um, I didn't graduate from there. I moved my ninth grade year. Okay. And I moved to play football at Gillette. My uncle, he lived in Gillette, or actually all my mom's family lived in Gillette. My dad's family was from Gillette. Uh, so I moved to Gillette to play football. And I went down there in 92, graduated from there. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I started my – I call it home, but – that's where yeah. I'm from. What position did you play? I played running back and uh, linebacker and punter and was on the kickoff team. It was one of those, when you went on the field, you didn't come off. What well, did you like more, offense or defense? Offense, definitely. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so I'm the offensive coordinator now, not defensive coordinator. <laughs> so you went there, graduated, and did you, you know as soon as you came out of high school you wanted to be a football coach? I had no clue. I wanted to, uh, you know, UAM was nearby. I wanted to go to, to college and play football. And – you know, I guess I was a little uh, overconfident in my abilities of I'm a Phillips. Like you said, you're a Pickney. I was, <laughs> I was not very fast. I was not very big. And, you know, I didn't have – I could have played um, – I went to UAM and probably could have played there if I'd stuck it out. But um, it just really – it was a job. And yep. it was not the same as um, – you know, interesting story. We're sitting here in a church. I think it's worth saying this, that um, – you know, coaches in college were not the same as your high school coach. I mean, it was a business, and it was – I mean, they would yell at you, cuss at you. And mm. there was one dude that uh, turned out he was a volunteer coach. His name was Coach Leonard, Robert Leonard. Um, he was actually with Mission, Missionary Baptist Student Fellowship. And um, he's actually the one that led me to Christ. Wow. And the reason I bring that up is he was the – there was a distinct difference in him and how he coached. Like the other coaches scream at you when you messed up. He would come up to you and, you know, he would give you confidence. He would, um, you know, just mm. – you could tell he cared. And I was like, man, there's something different about that dude. He's nice. Mm. And I had no clue about Christ at the time. So uh, when I quit football, uh, you know, I guess when Jesus uh, used food to draw in people, he used sports. <laughs> he invited me to play uh, intramurals for uh, – for the MBSF, and uh, little did I know, he's just trying to get me into, you know, tell me about the gospel. But wow, um, well, ended cool. up accepting Christ in a Pauline Baptist Church gym. Near um, how old? Through sports, eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, man, um, that's life changing. It was, and and it started with someone just being a good human being, just being kind. And you know, my high school coach was a great guy. I didn't have a, I had a father at home, uh, but he was not the best role model. Mm. My high school coach treated me with respect, and you know he didn't he didn't do anything um, distinctive that's going to keep him. You know he stands out as a as a coach or a mentor. He just cared about you and he treated you well, and you know I enjoyed that and had a lot of respect for him. Um, ended up speaking at his funeral when he passed away. Oh wow! Um, he ended up actually gave me my first job at Warren. He was a principal there at the time, oh, and that's cool. uh, you know I applied for a job and reached out to him and put in a good word for me and uh, ended up passing away while he was at Warren. Mm -hmm. And I'd moved on, but uh, his wife asked me if I'd speak at his funeral. So What an honor. Quite an honor to to know that, you know, he cared about me like I did for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you had different 
coaches then that were in, I mean, obviously sports is a big part of your life. Football is a big part of your life. Then you're in, you're coming across other men who are invested in you and somebody's coaching you, not just in the sport, but just in life right. in general, helping you. And so at that point, were you beginning to think like, was your mind beginning to turn towards coaching football at that point or still, still on the radar? Still, honestly, no. As, as big of a football fan as I was, I was the biggest country boy in the world. Okay. Like, it didn't matter if it was 118 degrees outside October 1st. When October 1st hit, bow hunting is where ah, I would be. okay. Yeah. I was an avid hunter. And and uh, when I quit football, uh, I thought I wanted to be a game warden. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I started taking science classes and uh, got in, um, wanted to go into wildlife management. And, you know, I went to college a couple of years and – and honestly, when I didn't play football, I just kind of lost interest in going to school and mm-hmm. dropped out of college and uh, ended up going to work for a uh, chemical plant there in Monticello and uh, ended up, got married and uh, ended up getting divorced later on. But, you know, it wasn't until working in a chemical plant that I decided I want to take a little different tour or different aspect in life. Yeah, I definitely don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, they ended up shutting down and. Uh, I had the chance to go back to college then, and I went back and decided at that point, that's, you know, after I had uh, quit college and everything, mm-hmm. that's when uh, the Coach Dupree's wife asked me if I'd speak at his funeral, and then I kind of started wanting to give back to communities and started thinking about it, and that's really when I decided I want to be a football coach. And that would have been what year? Uh, 2004. Uh, 2002 is actually when I went back to college. Okay. And 2004 is when I graduated. Okay, and you said you graduated from UAM. UAM, yes, sir. So you go from there to Warren. From Warren, did you go to Truman? Was there so another actually, stop? No, I had several stops. You know, me being a uh, started out as a junior high assistant at uh, at Warren, and you know, I'm the type of guy I'm never satisfied with. You know, staying in one spot or being stagnant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to go to. I was a junior high coach. I wanted to be a, a senior high coach. So a guy had actually left. Uh, Warren and went to Dumas and was a head coach and uh, I met him at Warren and he asked me to come over and work for him so I worked there one year and he ended up quitting mm-hmm. or got um, got reassigned basically and then uh, Mark Courtney from East Point State County woo, took woo. over yeah oh yeah my uh, golf coach from high school wow what a small world yeah. he he didn't he didn't know a lot about golf he just sat in the golf cart yeah it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good gig yeah so he uh I was actually on staff there when he came on, and that's where I saw somebody turn a program around for the first time. Dumas, we had went um, 0-10 the year before he came, uh, 2-8 and the year before that. Then he came in, and it was another one of those things. He ran a similar offense. He ran a spread. But it's the way he built relationships with the kids. Hmm. Um, it was just, uh, you know, it's a poor community. Um, but really in what he did, the coaching – you know, the plays he called and things he did. We had some pretty good athletes, but it all came down to those kids wanted to play for us. And, um, you know, so that's that's really where I learned how much or how important relationships are. Oh, man, kids. it's everything. It is. It and is. especially now. It, it feels is. like yes. even more than ever. Yes. I was um, – I'm a, I'm a fan of coaches, and so, like, I follow storylines. I really like Mike McDaniel, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And I know some people hate him, but I really have enjoyed following Deion Sanders. Same what's going to Colorado, man? And uh, what I see in those guys is they're relational. Mm-hmm. Like the people, they just want to play better for someone they like, I right. guess. 
you know? So how do you, as a coach, build relationships with, with, with your, your players? Like, is there, is there a formula to it? Is there something you keep in mind? I mean, it seems like common sense, but apparently it's not so common because I, I don't think that that's necessarily happening everywhere. So for you, like, what does that look like? I think it's really you put yourself to the side and make them the most important thing in, in not the most important thing in my life, but the most important yeah. thing in my job. Yes. When I go to school each day, and whether it's the kids in a classroom or on a football field, I, I want it to make it about them. I don't want it to be about me. And that's one of the hardest things for me is, you know, people say, oh, you guys are better this year than, than last year. Yeah. I do not – I don't want any credit for that. Um, if we're better, it's because – God has put me in the right spot at the right time. Mm. Um, and I think I'm just doing what he wants me to do. Mm. It's nothing. I promise you it's nothing I'm doing. The offense is unique, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's something that we believe in. But, um, you know, I think it's all about just being in the right place at the right time mm. um, where you're supposed to be. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's about, you know, believing in the kids, trusting in them, and just man, whether it's a hug and um, a handshake or a high five, fist bump, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, kids are going through so much, man, and uh, it, it, yeah. I mean, you don't want to be that. I mean, you like you you've had that coach that's like you make a mistake and they they jump all over, and it's like you know. And I know this is easier said than done. So I'm not coaching, but it's like you know those kids already are mad at themselves. You know, they already feel crappy. They just let their team down. They just missed a assignment or whatever else. They fumbled the ball, and it's like. Yeah, how much more powerful is it to be able to put your arm around someone and say, "Here, get the next one." You yeah. know, I mean, we can maybe show you what you did, and try to help you, and uh, as opposed to just shaming somebody or forget condemning them. But I think like part of the reason, here's my guess from the outside looking in, part of the reason that we're so hard or coaches can be so hard on kids is because they do make it about them, like about themselves. And so I'm curious, like, how do you not do that? Like, <clears throat> because it is important to some extent that you produce results in your job, right? I mean, it's a competition, and you're trying to win. Um, so, like, how do you keep from making it about you? Because I could see where maybe even if I was in your position or any coach, I'd be thinking, like, you guys really need to win. Like, because my yeah. job, not entirely, but somewhat depends on you performing well. So how do you remove yourself from that equation, or at least not remove yourself, but move yourself to maybe second priority below the players? Um, I always look back at my past and remember who I am. <laughs> um, I've been forgiven so much, and God's grace has covered me throughout my life. And when I think back of um, the things I've been through, uh, it's not hard to remember that I'm I'm just a vessel used by God. I'm not mm-hmm. a I'm nothing special. And uh, you know, it's again, I pray um, all the time, Lord, that if You'll bless this team, that I'll make it about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's through prayer and. Um, you know, my wife, she's not going to let me get a big head anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, she she actually encourages me, tries to encourage me more because of she knows how hard I am on myself. And I feel like every game, and I guess that's one thing in my personality, if we lose a game, and I don't care if, if we had five fumbles, three interceptions, and they returned three kickoffs for touchdowns, I'd still feel like it's my fault. Uh. Um, and ultimately it is. I'm responsible for our wins or losses, um, you know, to some extent. When I, I say that, because if we win, I'm going to give the kids all the credit. And if we, if we lose, I'm going to take the blame. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think that's that. So how do you right. talk to me about that? How do you deal with that loss then? Like if you if you take the blame for it, and I'm guessing then definitely Nettleton would be one of those where you're like, dang, man, if 
how to call this instead of that or this, you know, whatever. Like, how do you deal? And this is something I'm interested in for me personally. Like, how do you deal with loss? Because I think, man, like if we can't do that well, then we don't need to be in leadership for very long of any kind because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of loss, you know, in, in this world, especially like in leadership, coaching, sports, all that. So have you found a secret to dealing with that? Or are you like, I'm still trying to figure that out? No, I, well, th- there's a couple of things that I, that I know I have to do. Like Friday night was miserable. Saturday was miserable. When we get into Sunday, we start preparing for four city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you dwell on the things that happened in the past, then you're probably going to repeat them. So, we just kind of feel like – I told the guys um, before I left, the coaching staff Friday, I was like, hey, let's meet Sunday and get ready for Four City. So yep. <laughs> I kind of took a day and a half to uh, to dwell on it. And yep. then, you know, I, and I think it's important to go back and to look at some of the things mm-hmm. we did or need to work on. And, you know, I documented those, and that's something we're going to work on this week to try to make sure we don't it doesn't happen this week. And the same for the defensive coaches. Um, you know, we felt like we were going to – have a chance to win it and, and did have a chance to win yeah. it on that last drive that Nelson had. And um, they met Sunday also and basically, hey, here's some options, you know, for if we get in a situation again, things we can do that may slow them down and um, give us a better chance to win. What do you say to these kids that, you know, and I know there was a – I won't call his name or his number, but I know, you know, there was a, a kid who gave up the touchdown and, and I think maybe even a, one before that and – I, I can't imagine, you know, being a teenager isn't going to be hard on himself. And what, obviously, you're you're trying to make sure you're not taking the losses too hard, but then also it's your job to make sure they don't, right? Uh, so, how what do you say to a kid? And this is important, I think, for any kid that's listening or, or athlete. They're going to fail over and over and over and over. You know, there's some sports you're going to fail more than you succeed, yeah, and can still be considered good, yeah. right? Baseball is one of those. Yeah. And so it's like, what do you say to that that student? Maybe it's listening to this or that player that uh, tends to be really hard on themselves. You know, I was that guy, um, still am that guy, where I feel like, you know, most losses are, are my fault. And um, going to those pep rallies today, I had a kid um, tell me, he's like, I should have got us into a different coverage against that if we'd have been in this. And, you know, then – and I was like, man. I said, I, I beat myself up over, you know, the, coming out in the second – I mean, probably something nobody's going to look at. When we came out in the second half, I ran a play and we didn't block it quite correctly. So I said, run it again. And, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, if we block it like this, we're going to have a good play. Mm-hmm. We blocked it correctly a second time, and it wasn't a good play. Mm. So, then it's, now it's third and seven, third and eight, and we're forced to pass because I was too stubborn to run a different play that <laughs> second one. You yeah. know, that could have been the, that could have been something that um, if I had done something a little different there, we would have been in a different situation and drove the field, and the whole game changes. How do you how do you pick those plays? By the way, like that's just interesting to me. Like, when are you looking at the defensive alignment? Typically, that's so. Number one, when we watch film, we're going to find their weakest player that we can pick on. Okay, um, and they're doing the same thing to you, probably. Yeah. Um, now. Nettleton, the way they lined up in the first half, we came out running our power play. Um, they finally adjusted to that, and then we started running our sweet play. Their okay. defense or the outside line. It's a chess match. It is. If they do this, we're going to do this. And, you know, the, the key is to have something to answer it. Yes. And, and so, and uh, y'all even, that's what's so brilliant about football. I love because I don't know anything about this. I'd love to, like, just apprentice. I would love to, like, just go, like, apprentice under a coach mm-hmm. for a year, like, for a season and just try to get behind the scenes. And I, I'm never going to be a coach, but I just want to learn it. And it's like 
I love, like, there's one point in the game, Chris, where this is, I think this is in the fourth quarter, and it's a big play. I think it was, like, third and long or third and six off that, like, or fourth. No, it was fourth down, I think, for Nettleton, and it was on their final drive. You all call a timeout, mm-hmm. come yeah. back out. Yeah. They call a timeout because they didn't like the matchup. I think come back out, and then somebody else – I think there was two or three timeouts called in a yeah. row before there was ever a snap. And so, in that moment, you're what are you doing? You're coming out and you're saying, uh-uh, this is not a good matchup. Like, how do you learn that stuff? Is that just ton? Is it just like studying for a test or anything like that? Like you're looking at formations, it is. and you're like, "Oh, I know what that is," yeah. and we're not ready to stop that. So yeah. time out. That is exactly what it is. It's, it's experience. Um, you know, in this day and age, we have um, tendencies that we have a computer program. You know, all of our plays on there, and you can submit a report to it, and it'll spit out tendencies. And they're if they're in trips, they're going to do this. If they're in really, yeah, and it's y'all not, can do that in real time. No, no, okay. after the game. But we use that, so we'll when we scout them, their last two games, we take those games, and uh, all this information is inputted. So it tells That's us wild it is, um, and it's pretty useful. But you know, then you know that's that's assuming that everything they do is you know on schedule, uh, and a 16, 17 year old kid doesn't <laughs> change it somehow or do something a little different. So how much of it is gut? Like we're just like I don't even know. I. Like whenever you're calling off, like I was, you know, I'm there with with Nettleton, obviously I'm running the chains, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the head coach on one of their final drives, and he didn't even call the play. He looked, I guess, I don't know if it's Ralph, it's a coordinator, I don't know how that works in high school, but he looked at him and he said, what do you think? And he said, blah, 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 and he's like, I don't know. I just heard him say, I don't know. And then they talked a little bit more, and then they went with the play. Yeah. And I just thought, that was that was good for me to see that because I just thought that every head coach is like, here's exactly what we're going to do at exactly this time. Uh-huh. But I was like, that seems like there was doubt in his mind. They really didn't know exactly, and they were almost kind of guessing, like, I mean, we could try this kind of thing. It is, um, and there's a lot of pressure, <laughs> and you've got 40 seconds. Yeah. You know, <laughs> from the time the, the ball is down, you know, to the next snap, you've got 40 seconds to figure out what you're going to do. Um, that's a lot of pressure. Are you um, thinking ahead very much? Like, you do. All right, we're going to run this play, and after that, we'll do this. We do, and we've got a um, kind of a – on the back of my play sheet, I've got some uh, situational things where if it's third and long, here's our top three plays against that. If it's short short yardage, we do this. But And that's just in you. You just have that kind of pretty much memorized for the most no, part? No, it, it's written down. Oh, it is written down. Oh, you said that, yeah. Because I will, I will forget it. Um, there's been times that I've gotten – I like it baseball. Um, end of the game, I looked at my play sheet, and down there was seven rain a play, and I was like, never ran it. That would have been great. Ah. It's just one of those times I got caught in a moment and didn't do a good job of uh, looking at the play sheet. So, do the kids have all that memorized? All those they plays? They do. They do. How how many plays are there total in offense? In um, offense? You know, some of them go left and right. We've got uh, sixty two or something on play sheet. So they've memorized sixty two. And how long does it, how long does it take them to usually have that? I mean, is that memorized before? Are all those memorized before the first game, or there's a few that you add like no, along the way? When we went into tech, we probably had thirty. And oh that wow! Was left and right, so we were real lim- limited on what we were going to do. And is and that because you were new, or would is. that be true? Okay, we just didn't have much put in. Um, you just can't overload them, you know. Initially, uh, they were learning everything, and and actually after tech, we started putting stuff in and adding some stuff and put on put in a little bit more than they can handle, like by Piggott. Uh, we backed off and kind of uh, stuck to some of our core plays. So next year then, like when you start the season, will your team already pretty much have those 60 plays in their arsenal? They will. 
So that's where the benefit of being somewhere for a little while is. It is. And and here's the important thing that I think is, you know, if there's a, a young head coach out there or a head coach that's stubborn, mm-hmm. I want our entire program from 7 through 12 running the same offense, the same terminology, same defense, same terminology. And that way, I mean, literally, with the exception of, a, you know, some, some more advanced plays, our ninth grader could move up right now and start in senior high and know exactly what we're doing. Yes. Um, and that's where, you know, in our peewee program, we want to get it to where the peewee right now, you know, they do it with the boys club, but um, we want our peewee program to run the same offense and same defense that we do and just teach them a little bit earlier. And I think that's our, our seventh grade. Um, you know, they're undefeated right now, but man, I was scared to death at the beginning of the year because they just didn't really know a lot of football. Yeah. We got a lot of kids out that didn't know football. So, I mean, we are literally starting from how to put your pads on. Have you noticed a difference? So, like, you talked about your seventh grade team being undefeated. When I was in seventh grade at Paragould, we were undefeated. Mm-hmm. And then we were not good at all in high school. Um, it, how does it my, – my son asked me that the day. Because, actually, our junior – our seventh grade was undefeated. Our junior high was, like, 500. Mm-hmm. And then our senior high – and there's no one moved. Like, yeah. it was like, you know, back then, nobody, but you know how it is. Like, everyone stayed yeah. loyal to their school. They weren't moving around since, like, and then senior high, we were, like, whatever, like, three and had, like, three wins. It, is is that because the older you get, the more you start seeing a difference in, in athletic ability? And, like, what is that? I think a lot of that, I mean, I don't know if you could point at one thing, and that's something that we want to start doing that I've talked to uh, Coach Johnson. He's our strength and conditioning coach. I want to start a portfolio for each kid, basically a three-ring binder, that they get when they're in the seventh grade that has their height, weight, um, their maxes, their vertical, and just kind of carry that through that same folder, that same kid. You know, so if they stay in our program from seven through 12th, we kind of see what's going to happen ah. to a kid. And um, are you looking at, like, their height and all that and their weight, their their speed, their their strength, and saying, like, this person is an ideal profile to be a guard or to yes. be a – Okay. Yes. That's what we're trying to – you know, trying, really to, cool. trying to help is to – Get a kid to to a position he's going to play, um, you know, like Rising Clay Toddy, a long time ago. Um, if they put a kid in a position, that's what he's going to play. If he played tight end, he's going to play tight end. Mm. They didn't move a lot of people around, so you get a kid that's you know an expert at their craft. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think there's a between the seventh and eighth grade year, you've got a kid in the seventh grade, and they really haven't matured at all. Mm-hmm. Um, then eighth grade, they're going to you know get a little bit older. Um, yeah. Going in ninth grade, that's when they, um, you know, they start to mature a little bit more and um, they start to get a little bit faster. Yep. But then when you get in tenth grade, that's when a lot of them start get inter- get interested in girls and cars and yep. trucks and a lot of changes. Yeah, we use, lose a lot of kids typically from the ninth to the tenth. They they all automatically assume, well, I'm a sophomore, I'm not going to play much, so I'll come back when I'm a junior. And, uh. Well, um, hopefully we can put it into that. Where yeah. would you put me at, Coach, based off my profile? You'd probably be a receiver. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Easy. I actually had uh, – we had Coach Gunn on here last year, and we met at the field house because he wanted us to look at the field house. And uh, while we were there, there was a football, and I said, why don't you tell me a route? Uh, mm-hmm. or, or let me run a route. And I said, I'm going to run. I told him what I was going to run. He said, you didn't tell me what you're going to run. I'm the coach. <laughs> and so I ran a route, and the first one he threw it behind me. Oh, he's like, I didn't recognize the speed. Uh, I was like, you shouldn't have been doubting. And so <laughs> we made a connection on the second one, but yeah, I wish I would have, wish I would have uh, 
stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, played a little bit. Who knows, man? Maybe God didn't know I could handle the success. I could have yeah. been huge. He's like, hey. so he put me yeah. in the tennis. tennis. Yeah. Or your body's fragile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually what it was. I promise you that. I didn't want to get hit yeah. at all. Hey, uh, I, I wonder a question. Uh, so I, I was always kind of, you know, deep on the depth chart, right? Uh, and I, I focus more on basketball. I did that ninth grade, tenth grade quit, but that was mostly because the uh, high school players terrified me. Like yeah. they were going to rip my oh, head off. Sure. Um, but there was a, a basketball coach I had, eighth, ninth, tenth grade year. He didn't really care. He didn't really focus on any of us that weren't the top seven, eight players. And then my eleventh grade year, a coach came and he actually like set me up to show me how to shoot a basketball properly. And ha- taught me actually how to play basketball. So I wonder what the importance of like, you know, you focus on your strengths or you focus on your weaknesses to raise everything. Like, mm. like what's your philosophy there? So mm. that's where um, I love our coaching staff because, you know, we spend. I think last year and a lot of schools are different, regardless of how it is last year. A lot of schools will split their staff. We've got eleven coaches. A lot of schools would take six coaches, put them in senior high. They only coach senior high and take the other five and put them in junior high, and they only coach junior high. So if you do that, it's fine. Uh, you got a defensive staff and a uh, – I mean, a senior high staff and a junior high staff, but we do it a little differently. We we have offensive coaches and defensive coaches. And our, co- our coaches, with the exception of seventh grade, all of them don't have that athletic period. But from eight through 12, our coaches coach – we're going to coach like offensive coaches. We've got – uh, five of those, and we've got six defensive coaches. Our five off, uh, five offensive coaches, they are going to coach the eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got the same coach. So you've got an offensive lineman, for example. When he's in the eighth grade, he's getting coached by the same coach. He's going to get coached as a senior. So he's going to have four or five years under that coach. You know, that's going to give those kids an understanding of what we want for what they expect. Um you know, I think it prepares them. You never know, um, and that's the crazy thing. You've got some, and I don't know if you're kind of alluding to this, but you've got some kids that, and honestly, they're just not good enough to play right now. But you get into ninth grade, tenth grade, and their body starts changing. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, if throughout that time they're understanding the technique and those things we're teaching them, then when their body is ready, they're going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, Shame on a coach if they're only looking at a kid for their athletic ability and not preparing them for um, the future. And we understand some of those kids. And parents don't always understand that. Mm-hmm. We've got some kids that are, I mean, they're they're bigger kids, but they're weak and they're not very fast. It's hard to put them in a game. Yeah. And, you know, number one, it, it puts them in a situation where they're going to get dominated or beat. Yep. It's going to discourage them. Their teammates are going to be upset with them. And te- it's going to discourage other teammates. Coaches mm-hmm. are going to – look bad because you're not winning. So when there's a fine line there between getting those kids ready and, and putting them in a game and discouraging them and, you know, yeah. when you have losses, that's that's something that's going to happen. Yes. So how did you eventually get here? Well, we were at Truman for three years. Um, I was at DeWitt before I went to Truman. And at DeWitt, I was offensive coordinator and really had a desire to be a head coach. Um, then Truman came open and – they hired me at Truman, and I was there three years. And my son was actually um, – he was a ninth grader mm. at Truman. So moving him was a huge, huge deal. Um, and a lot of people don't know this. Last year I applied for the job when Coach Gunn got it. Yeah, mm. um, I And I was that. one of the top two or three and didn't get it. 
So I was like, well, I'm just going to stay at Truman. I'm going to be here. I'm happy here. So um, then the job came open, and uh, Mr. Chipman reached out to me, and uh, I spoke to him. And, um, you know, it was one of those deals where I just prayed about it, and I never had a, like, never had a bad feeling about it. Mm. I just felt like God was opening the door. And, uh, you know, I look at some of the kids, and I was like, man, if I could have been here last year. But <laughs> you look at God's timing and how it worked. Uh, he, he hired Co- Coach Gunn, hired Coach Giles. Mm-hmm. He hired Donnie Burrow. He hired um, <clears throat> Andrew Garrett, which are all three um, just great Christian men mm-hmm. that are just essential to our staffs. Yeah. Um, he also, I'm not saying that our other co- other coaches aren't Christians, but sure. those three are, um, you know, they, they profess their Christianity and their, their love for Jesus. And, you know, I wouldn't have had those guys on staff. Mm. Um, so timing last year wasn't right. Um, and the coaching staff we've got this year, man, I love those guys. Uh, they love kids. They love working with kids and, uh, you know, it's just the right time and yeah, just the door opened this year when it was supposed to. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. What do you, um, what does the future hold for you? What, what gets get you excited when you think about this position right here? Um, getting all these kids, you know, a couple more years, and our weight program, this just last year and this year, is really started to take off. Having Coach Johnson running the weight program, you know, so I'm excited to see, you know, what year three of that will look like. And then year two of kids running our offense um, and our defense. You know, our defense is relatively new. Mm. Coach uh, Lovell came in last year and ran a 4-2-5. So, you know, I mean, relatively new to, you know, some things here. And I'm excited about us being able to, to build on top of that and – most of all, probably the senior leadership this year. Yep. We're about to lose 17 of those guys. 18 oh, wow. 18 including. Is Bailey one of those? He is. I love watching yeah, that kid, yeah, man. Yeah. He's uh, – we're about to lose a lot of good guys. But, um, you know, something awesome with our program is eighth period is our athletic period. And um, we've got from eighth through twelfth grade in their uh, eighth period. So, you know, we are able for a lot of those seniors to – their leadership to be very meaningful to those younger guys. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that's huge for us. But I guess most excited about what the seniors this year have uh, helped us build. Yeah, it's great. Well, there's a lot more questions that I can ask you. We'll have to bring you back on uh, either at the end of this year or before the beginning of, of next season. And so, But for the sake of time, I'm moving to some rapid-fire questions right. if you're ready for it. Uh, first question, what is the last uh, show or movie you watched? Or if you don't really watch anything, what's the last book that you read? I'm reading Kingdom Man by Tony Evans right now. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, favorite band? Uh, need to Breathe. Need to Breathe. Classic. You a Need to Breathe fan? No. I mean, I'm not not a fan, but I'm not a fan. You had a, a look like you were. So well, like, I know who Need to Breathe is, sure. but, like, I can't tell you a song. Very I funny. had free tickets to a Need to Breathe concert and gave them to a friend. <laughs> oh, well, no. my, wife is a, my wife is a big fan, and I like a few of their songs. Yeah. Uh, what would be your last meal? Uh, probably steak from uh, Texas Roadhouse. No, I take that back. Fried chicken. Mother-in-law's fried chicken. Ooh. Yeah, I have to say that. I'm, what are you going to put with the fried again. chicken? Mashed potatoes. Gravy? Oh, yeah. What do you do for dessert? Uh, probably some of her. It's uh, pumpkin casserole. Pumpkin cream, casserole? Little cream cheese on the bottom. Really, really good. Never heard of that. Pumpkin casserole with cream cheese on the bottom. A recent guest uh, brought up Jerry's in Truman. He goes all the way to Jerry's. Yeah. Did you ever you go to that place? Eh. 
As, so, my, as my son would say, it's mid. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Is your, did you say your son was a ninth grader when you were at Truman? Or yeah, like he's, a, he's a tenth grader now. He okay. Grader what position is he playing? He plays wing back. He's, he's a sophomore that's sitting on a bench right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Coach's son gets no favors from me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, what is on your nightstand right now? Um, the book by Tony Evans, uh, my iPhone charger, a lamp, and probably um, – Oh, my machine that does the sounds, like the wind sounds and oh, stuff. Sure, during sleep. Yeah. that helps tremendously. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Just an ordinary moment. Hugging my wife after a after a football game, or telling my son he comes to my classroom every morning before he goes to goes to his classes, and every morning I give him a hug and tell him I love him, and he says "Love you, Dad." <laughs> give him a hug and he leaves. That's awesome. Uh, last question. What is one thing that you are deeply grateful for right now? My relationship with Jesus, my wife and kids, and being a prayer girl. Awesome. Well, Coach, thanks for making time to be here. I really hope I get a chance to watch another one of your games this year. Stay the course. You guys are doing great work. Thank you. All right. Coach Randy Phillips has left the building. On his way to practice. On his way to practice. Talking about practice. We're talking about practice, man. Um, I'm surprised he didn't invite me to go with him. You know, uh, after you talked about you catching the balls, I figured he'd want a demonstration for his players. I mean, I tried to drop the hint. Just didn't pick it up. Maybe when he listens to this, he'll get that hint. Maybe. Give me a call, coach. I'd love to run some routes, show the kids how it's done. Um, hey, if you're still listening to this, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we do this because of you. So if you've not done so, go ahead, check us out on different social media platforms. We're on Facebook, on Instagram. Primarily, you can give us a follow, give us a like. Um, and whatever platform that you're listening to this on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or something else, please give us a five-star rating. That just helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people that are living right here in our community. So as always, thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>